I was very lucky growing up because my mom's parents, Nina and Pop, as we'll all refer to them from here on out, uh, they lived in Dallas uh, for most of my childhood, so I got to spend a lot of time with them. And uh, one thing that we always did with Nina and Pop was go to the original Pancake House. I don't know if people are a fan of that because that it was their favorite place for breakfast so it became our favorite place for breakfast and it was be, became the place where we went for everybody's birthday breakfast every single person in the extended family we always went to the original pancake house and over the course of the 20 plus years that my grandparents lived here in Dallas. Uh, my grandfather befriended one of the waiters there uh, named Robert. And every time that we would go to the pancake house, uh, I didn't find this out until I was in high school or later, um, my grandfather would give Robert a $100 tip. And that was just something that once I found out, we were thinking, my brother and I, once we found that out, we thought, that's, that's just so pop. That's, that's not uncharacteristic of pop, that pop lived a, such a generous life. And so now we can't go to the original Pancake House without thinking of Nina and pop and how they were lived so generously. And so when we're there, we'll talk about them, we'll talk about how generous they are or how generous they were and um, sort of leave with that generous spirit and maybe the rest of the day be a little more generous than we had, um, than, we, than normal. Meals tend to do that. Meals tend to bring up memories of people who are special. So today is Maundy Thursday. It's the day that the church remembers Jesus' last night before his arrest. It's Jesus' last full day, and lasts are important. Last things are what we remember about people. We can almost always remember the last thing that we said to the person that we love, or the last thing we did, the last day we spent together with the person that we love. And while all three years of Jesus' ministry are important, the Gospels spend a disproportionate amount of time on Jesus' last week, on the week from his entrance into Jerusalem through his resurrection. There's a lot of detail about what happens each day, the things that he does, the things that he says. And that, that real estate that's given to that one week tells us that this is something that we really ought to pay attention to. Not just that there's so much uh, real estate given to that week, but it's his last week. Both of those things combined tell us that these are actions and words that we ought to pay attention to. But I wonder, how, how do we remember Jesus? How do we remember Jesus? Do we, do we remember Jesus by that one last week? Do we remember him by the actions from the last week, from the words that he says in the last week? Or do, do we remember him by the words and actions throughout his ministry? What do we remember Jesus by? Before 
we get into what Jesus did on his last day, on his last night. I wanna take a second to go over what Jesus didn't do on his last night, how he didn't spend those last precious hours. He didn't spend it preaching or teaching to the masses. He didn't spend it healing sicknesses or exercising demons. He didn't spend it performing miracles, not walking on water or multiplying bread. Those are all things that Jesus did during his ministry, but none of those things he did on his last night. And Jesus had the rare opportunity to know that it was his last day and night. So how he spent it is how he chose to spend it. Luke's version of Jesus' last night You can find in Luke 22 that in Jerusalem, they're in Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples are there to celebrate Passover. And so Jesus sends a couple of his disciples ahead and says, hey, can you go ahead and prepare a room and the meal for us and we'll meet you there. So they're all at the table together celebrating Passover, celebrating the deliverance of Israel from Egypt, celebrating the deliverance that God did for Israel. And starting in verse 17, it says that, then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he did the same with the cup after the supper, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But see, the one who betrays me is with me, and his hand is on this table. Jesus uses his last night to have Passover dinner with his disciples. But it's not just dinner. Jesus Jesus does something strange. When he he takes the bread that they were going to share, and he takes the bread and he says, hey, this, this is my body, and it's given for you. And then he takes the cup, the cup that they all share, and he takes that and he says, this is my blood, and it's poured out for you. And then he says something that he's never said about anything else that he's ever done. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Again, Jesus didn't choose to preach to the crowds or to perform a miracle and say, do this in remembrance of me. He reclines at the table and eats with his disciples and he says, do this in remembrance of me. 
why would this be the thing that Jesus wants us to remember him by? Why wouldn't he want the disciples to remember him by his miracles, by his healing and his preaching? Why wouldn't he be telling the crowds to remember him? Why wouldn't he say this when he fed the 5,000? Why didn't he say, remember me by this? Or when he walked on water or after the Sermon on the Mount? Why didn't he say it to more than just 12 people? Wouldn't it have been more effective to do it to the crowds or to do it at a more unusual circumstance than eating dinner? But right after Jesus makes this dramatic statement about being remembered in the simple act of breaking bread, the disciples have this argument. In verse 24, it says, a dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. <laughs> Literally, right after, Jesus says, this is my body broken for you, and this is my blood poured out for you. The disciples have an argument about which one of them is the greatest. How many of us go to church on Sunday morning or go to Bible study, and when we leave, we immediately return to our own concerns about how we can be better, how we can rise up in our own company or in our group of friends or how we can just reach that next status, that next goal. How can we get recognized? In Jesus's last teaching moment with the disciples, his last teaching moment, he says this, for who is greater the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So it's pretty on brand for the disciples, for us to immediately miss the point. It's also pretty on brand for Jesus to flip the script. We think it's greater to be recognized for our work to be remembered for the great, amazing things that we did, for our rise to the top of the class, for our rise to the top of the company. And that's why we wonder, why wouldn't Jesus wanna be remembered for his miracles or remembered in front of the crowds? Come on, Jesus, the more attention, the better. The showier, the better. The more supernatural, the better. The more people who see it, the better. Come on, Jesus, what do you want to be remembered for? But Jesus, he tells the disciples that what's actually greater is the opposite of what we think. It's, it's actually greater to be the one serving than the one being served. Humility, not status, is where the greatness lies. So that tells us that Jesus didn't really care about being remembered for all the showy things. He didn't care about being remembered for efficiency or status. 
Instead, he tells his small group to remember him by how he served them. He wants to be remembered when groups gather together, when groups share food together. When people gather and share food together, that's where relationships are built, which is something that Jesus seems to value a whole lot more than status or attention. So not only is Thursday the only time that Jesus shares how he wants to be remembered, but it's also the only time he gives a commandment to his disciples. As Doug mentioned, Maundy Thursday is, it comes from the word mandatum. It's referring to a mandate or a command. And that's hearkening back to John's version of Jesus's last day. In chapter 13 of John, Jesus, he washes his disciples' feet. And then he says to them, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You should also love one another. Of all the things that Jesus could command, of all the things that Jesus could command, pray every day, tithe no matter what, make everyone Christians, whatever the cost, what Jesus commands is to love others sacrificially, to love as Jesus loved the disciples, is to wash others' feet, to be humble, to serve. Sounds a lot like what Jesus was telling his disciples in Luke. So why, why would Jesus tell us to remember him over a meal? It's precisely because the bread and juice are ordinary things. It's precisely because they are things that we need and they're things that we need often. It's because it's something that we do with other people. It's because meals build relationships. It's what he did with his disciples all the time. And it's precisely because it's a moment of service and love and celebration. Through sharing the bread and juice, we remember Jesus's love for us. It was through serving us, through pouring himself out for us in all that he did. But the remembrance, it's not just something in our heads. It's not just an intellectual endeavor of, oh, I remember Jesus. This meal calls us it empowers us to love with his love. By his love, we are empowered to love as he loves, to serve others, to pour ourselves out, to be broken for others, just as he was for us. Remembering how Jesus loved and served empowers us to do the same. On Jesus' last night, he gave his disciples 
the gift of tangible love. That by gathering together, eating together, we can encounter God's deliverance, we can encounter Jesus' love, and the power of the Spirit to love just as God loves us. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we remember your son this week. Let this remembrance, God, be something that stirs us to action. That through this meal, this holiest of meals, we encounter you. We encounter your love in a new way. That it's something that nourishes us and strengthens us and empowers us to love the way that you loved, to serve the way that you served without recognition, without the need for attention. God, thank you for this mighty gift that is found in ordinary things like bread and wine. Thank you, God, for making ordinary things extraordinary. We journey with you on your way to the cross this week. But first, we dine together. It's in your name we pray. Amen.